All right, this is Pie Hard, a podcast that ignores the stats and match day analysis to bring you the stories, the cult characters, and culture lurking deep within the Collingwood Football Club. Think of us as a sportsman's night for your ears. And boy, have we lined up a special one for you guys today. I'm talking legitimate 90s poster boy. I had, I had his poster on the wall. He's a fan favorite. We love him. We know mm-hmm. you guys do as well. Mr. Paul Williams is joining us on this very special preliminary final edition of Pie Hard. Welcome to the pod, Alex. Great to have you here. Oh, I can't wait to welcome Willow. Like genuine, genuine favorite it's- from that 90s era. Genuine. Yeah, I, I was nervous behind, before this one. It's weird. I don't think I've ever been nervous for a Collingwood thing. I, and and largely in part because I don't know what to expect. Mm. No. Is he going to like? Is he going to love Collingwood? Is he going to hate Collingwood? Is and he indifferent? He wasn't a player that smiled a lot on the field either. Like he was a pretty hard, mm. like fierce competitor, um, skillful. He had all the assets except height. But um, yeah, it felt like look. It felt like he went missing <laughs> yeah. from the Collingwood ecosystem, um, and he kind of like disappeared into the ether. Yeah. And even though he was kind of a favourite son in the nineties, we're not quite sure what his attitude towards Collingwood is, you know, since and even how he no may have left on acrimonious terms. We're not really sure about the the actual situation with the departure of the Sydney. So fascinating mm. to find out more about Willow. One thing we do know though is um, whenever we talk about this guy our socials light up right. um the love the love is real uh he could be the greatest ever proponent of a running goal from long range that i think we've ever seen mm. absolutely look, we're going to dive into that we're going to dive into that a whole lot more with him in a sec but first some breaking news uh, alex grundy is melbourne bound hang on henry is geelong bound but even what? bigger than that, mm. even bigger than that, Alex, Pie Hard is Sydney bound. Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> Sin City, here we come. Hi, I'm Nick Dacos from the Collingwood Football Club, and this is Pie Hard. Looking at Collingwood today, it's hard to imagine that this was one of the toughest suburbs in Melbourne. I have a magpie tattooed in a certain spot. I wouldn't say it's the biggest magpie getting around. Out of control brawl outside a Collingwood pub. 60 years ago, it was lined with boot factories. As gritty, grotty suburbs in prime locations turned into trendy hotspots. Bronze had five bounces, nearly get another one. He's the smartest guy on the team. Because we don't have too many to pick from. You've got to go back to Billy Graham at the MCG for an American to dominate like this. The bubbles bursting three decades of grand final wobbles. I still can't believe it. I can. Oh. A weekend order by the club of 288,000 cans to be consumed. More comfortable in myself. It's as close as you'll get to greatness, you peanut. Shut up. Special mention to Virgin Australia, um, those mouth-breathing cretins are over there and i don't know where, not even where they are but I, I just want to i just want to put this on record right if you're listening if anyone from virgin australia is listening i'm a gold member mm. so alex you and i are gonna hit the virgin lounge on sunday Beauty. before our 5 p.m flight can can we and given the hotel checkouts at 10 a.m can we spend seven hours <laughs> we can stretch it. is that allowed we, yeah, we, we could do that and i'll tell you what i'm gonna drink my 700 dollars worth of flights in one single sitting at the Virgin Lounge. So, if anyone from Virgin is listening, you better have that joint stocked. Uh, you know, I'm even thinking of taking a chair, like just walking out with like one Hang of on, those. Hang on, there's no like, chairs? 
Well, no, I'm going to take a chair. Like, take, oh, steal a chair. a chair. Yeah, like, I just want to get that credit. I want to get that credit. Maybe some cutlery. I don't know. I'm going to have flesh. nine of those self-made toasted sandwiches. Can you still do that in the era of COVID? <laughs> I don't think so. I think, I think, I think. I don't know. I don't know what they're dishing up there at the moment, but they sh- it should be pretty good fare because the amount of money that they've made in the last week, gouging the eyeballs out of um, football yeah, loving supporters, mm. it's pretty disappointing, isn't it? When they're the official sponsor of the AFL, and I saw today a big announcement, um, a celebratory announcement about adding six extra flights. Mm. You know, days out from the game, it's just I don't think ludicrous. I think they underestimated how big a news story the gouge would be, but Collingwood makes the news. I mean, we know this as Bio oh. supporters. They underestimated that. And I don't know whether you've been watching like, you know, I was with my parents earlier tonight at their house and they, they still watch the 6 p.m. news and there's only two stories. There's mm. the Queen's dead mm. and there's the price gouge on Collingwood supporters. And it's like the, it's like 30 minutes of news telegraphs on Channel 7, two stories. I'll tell you what, the Queen died on my birthday and if, if there's not a bigger buzzkill uh, <laughs> when you're out partying and celebrating and, and the news starts to trickle through, it's like, obviously didn't think about that. Are they still wearing, are they still all dressed in black, the, the anchors? Uh, I don't know, but they all have to don this kind of fake yes, melancholy yeah. face and they do these like multiple takes of them laying the wreath of flowers. But mm. Collingwood's got more um, of a, a royal connection than what we talked about last pod. I just recalled that, guess where I was when Princess Diana's death was announced? Oh, you were, you were at the, yeah, I know where you were. You were at the MCG, Collingwood versus Port Adelaide. No, no it was correct? North Melbourne, 97, okay. I think it was. Right. And uh, maybe I told the story too many times. but No, it's okay. Let's let it spray. I, I think they did an announcement over the PA and there was just a hushed sort of. There was a hush. And then the father, I was a you know, pretty, fairly, fairly young kid at the stage. Um, the father of my mate who we were there with, um, he took us home at three-quarter time because they announced that she was dead and it was like, well, we can't stay at the game. And I was like, what do you mean? It's a Collingwood game. Like, That's there's right. more important things. Anyway, so, yeah, the royal thing. But um, but, but bigger news still, the price gouge. Who cares, man? We, we, good investment. If we win a prelim, this is going to be – all time. This will be yeah, unforgettable. Money, money for jam. Money for jam. All right, let's get straight into it. Now, I've been loving lately the vibe shift from, from Collingwood, in particular Craig McRae and El Presidente Jeff mm. Brown. Now, all year we've been hearing this narrative, which is, you know, we don't want to mention the finals. We're building. This right. is about building a, a winner's mentality. We're about, um, you know, uh, developing good habits and just getting better as a team. And now the switch, the, the cup has runneth over. Now it's like nothing short than a our 16th premiership will do and it's great and i love i love the um the switch that's been flicked mm. the the i call it the you know it's like the pilot light in the hot water system it's like now we're starting to bubble and it's i don't know i just i have a soft i have a penchant i have a soft spot for sporting teams coming out and saying they want to win mm. i know it's i know it's old fashioned and the i know Nick I'm get factor 2009 for this was one, it? but Let's let's just bring it and like mm. let's just ride this wave until the goddamn thing implodes on everyone's skull. It's funny, isn't it? It's, or we win. It's uh, one week at a time. You know, we'll just we'll just deal with making finals all the way to talking about three peat <laughs> straight away. Like <laughs> the zero to hero, like zero to hundred in about three weeks. But um, I agree. Own the moment. Um, you're in the final four. Uh, mm. Change change the language and um, look. 
he couldn't have done it in a bit of time because the whole tidal wave of expectation um, is is coming. It's upon us, and crucially, the team's actually playing better than they have all year. So I think that's that's the salient fact. If you're going to raise the bar, raise expectations, um, you want to do it at a, at a time when the team is imbued with confidence and he's growing before our eyes, and, and that's what we're seeing. So, gee whiz, a lot of excitement around. Yeah, it was, it was crazy to see today as well. I don't know if you saw this, but the, the ballot for grand final tickets for Collingwood supporters was happened today. And so, everyone was posting, you know, like these these screen grabs of like, you've been, you've been successful. What did it say? You've successfully been given a ticket. Uh, enjoy your time at the Collingwood grand final ballot it was like it was a really twisted it was like Mm. they weren't going they were in the ballot to go but Mm. just just the fact that like because you kind of go don't talk about the grand final like don't talk we've got a game we've we've just got to we've got to win this that's our sole focus we're not thinking ahead and then the ticker tech goons are like hey if you want if you're Collingwood and you want a ticket to the grand final and your team makes it you have to kind of have to jump on now and and sort of enter the ballot so it's this kind of this mixed Mm. sort of messaging thing going on where you're like you don't want to talk about it but then you're lining up or you're you're in the queue to buy potential grand final t- i don't know it's it feels it's like that this time of year your entire week as a collingwood supporter is spent on websites like ticker tech or in this case like virgin Qantas. um you're texting you're texting like people you haven't spoken to in years asking if you can get tickets or seats to the game can you get in the rooms you know the hotel people Everything is Collingwood admin. Like if you mm. have a full-time job, it <laughs> yeah. is absolutely it obliterated it by yeah, footy finals up. when Collingwood's in the in, in the final four. <laughs> it's so true, isn't it? Like the, you know, your work, your work kind of output just absolutely goes off a cliff, doesn't it? <laughs> Hectic. <laughs> Plummets. Plummets. All right. Well, some other crazy news that we read uh, this week, and we could not um talk about the prelim without touching base with there's just the the genius minds behind, um, you know, the backroom staff of, of Collingwood. We all saw the footage of the uh, line marking at the Lexus Centre, mm. uh, mirror, mirroring the dimensions of the SCG, that tiny sort of twisted ass sort of short ground that they've got up there um, to, to ready the players for, um, you know, their trip to Sydney. Now, we, it, got, it got us thinking, Alex, and I want to ask you this question. Mm. What are some other ways the team could potentially acclimatise for a trip to Sydney? Look, I reckon Fly McRae could... Um take the the coach murals, the coach artworks off the wall in his office. Yep. We know he's got Love Lee, Fonz, Kine, and um, yep. Moldhouse up there staring at him, hum- mm. hum- hum- intimidating him. Mm. Um, I think he could just go with a big-ass Kendone mural. Yeah, you know, like a big, Love it. A big harbour big harbor Is Kendo- Kendone's back, isn't he? Kendone's been back for a long time. Um, if you see my yeah, wife yeah, on a yeah. sunny day, you know it. She's like head to toe Kendone. Threads, yeah, um, love it. But yeah, I think uh, I think that's that's a way of getting into the spirit of the Harper City is those all those beautiful pissy bright pastel colours, yeah, um, the glint of the harbour, but all, all very childlike and slightly retarded, like like mm. Sydney's Harbour. And but it's gorgeous, it's gorgeous. <laughs> that's my suggestion. Fly McRae's redecoration of the office. Well, I think if you if you're gonna if you're gonna kind of put your mindset in in that of the SCG, you may as well go the you may as well go the whole way. So mm. I, 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 I suggest that Collingwood should really only drink bad coffee 
and really bad overpriced food for, you know, the rest of the time in Melbourne. Again, just to get ready for that sort of mm-hmm. cultural shock of landing in, in Sydney, going out and having a $7 cold drip, um, which tastes like absolute shit. And I think one other thing that they could do potentially mm-hmm. as a group is just add a couple of extra, you know, let me just say five or six grand onto everyone's mortgage uh, at the club just <laughs> yeah. to feel the pinch of yeah. what it would be like to be a homeowner in, in Sydney. We know it's, the it's reverse obviously the cola. most- It's the, it's it's, the Coke Zero. It, yeah, it, it's the reverse cola. It, we do know that Sydney is the most expensive city in, in Australia. I think it's one of the most expensive cities in the region, in the APAC region behind Hong Kong. So, we know it's going to hit them in the, in the hip pocket. We know they're there to play football, but they will be buying um, other items while they're up there, uh, snacks and, and what have you. So, just to prepare themselves for that Sydney feeling would be to yeah, tax the shit out of them. Basically. Yeah, maybe a yacht to the yacht training on the main session on Thursday, a yacht along the, um, the Yarra, just to kind of mm. disembark on a gangplank. Mm. Um, with a, with a, a bunch of, you know, you can see Jordan Dugowie kind of disembarking oh. from amongst a throng of bikini models um, with lines of white powder on the deck and just disembarking there at um, Birurung Mar and strolling mm. over to the Lexus mm. for Hell training. Boat. Let's let's talk about the game because I am suitably pumped and I want to – we don't do match analysis here at Pie Hard. We're not, not going to go into no. – we're not going to do – we're not going to do match-ups. We're not going to talk about players specifically or, or – Match-ups if it's a romantic match-up. We don't yeah, mind talking about Fly and his wife later on, later on and his wife. Later on the but night. Yeah. But I'll tell you what I'm liking. Mm, uh, I reckon the pies are absolutely primed. So, Sydney, you know, I, I think it's a bit of a curse sometimes not not playing an extra game. I think getting that week off. Yep, you refresh. Yeah. But, you know, in finals football, having that momentum, like I had an old boss, Shane Smith, head of vice, he used to say momentum's a motherfucker. And it's a great quote because once you've got that momentum, it's very, very hard to stop. And if you're if you're going into this game in your Sydney, you've had you've had a good run, you've had a couple of you know mm. a couple of weeks off, you've put the feet up, you've gone away, you've got out of town, you've you've got your mind out of football. If you're Collingwood, you are a crazed polecat in a <laughs> yeah. in a cage, being probed and thrown about in a cargo hold, and you're oh yeah, you're absolutely ferocious. And I think there's a there's one more thing, Alex, and I want to get your take on All this, right. but. I actually think the loss to Sydney, whenever it was, two or three weeks ago. Mm, good timing. Absolutely immaculate timing. and But not just, you know, the fact that if we had have won that game, snuck through, won another one by one point, we maybe wouldn't have learned the lessons mm. um, or, or swallowed the medicine that, that that loss has given us. So, I know that the backroom staff at Collingwood will be tinkering away on the game plan. They'll be looking to fix a few things and maybe come up with a different strategy for playing on that small ground. But there's just there's some intoxicating ingredients mm. just in the in the um, Collingwood broth at the moment, which is getting me very, very, very aroused. Yeah, two things, Damo. One is I think you're right. The long break, the debate over whether the um, whether the boon of having a break after the, uh, a qualifying final win, whether that's actually a good or a bad thing. That's been kind of simmering for a few years, but I do think this could be the year where we get a, a piece of evidence which which suggests that it is a really not an advantage because hmm. it just doesn't smack of continuity. I just don't know how you can kind of maintain maintain the rage. And at the moment we're playing with the rage. We're playing, we're playing you know, anthropomorphized into the body of Braden Maynard. Um, that's yep. exactly he's, – he's really our spirit animal. Um, and I think the continuity of playing every week is big. The other thing um, 
I just I just like it how Fly implanted actually weeks ago, and it was after the Sydney game in the press conference. He said something along the lines of, "We didn't play the dimensions of the game, uh, the dimensions of the ground that well." You know, if we were to meet them at the MCG, there's there's a different different kind of ability to spread and use that space tactically. And I think he was implanting that thinking that maybe we would face the Swans at the MCG. But the reverse has happened and it's kind of working out anyway. And he's using he's using that motif anyway with the redrawn yeah. boundary lines. It's obviously a psychological game, right? Like yeah. there's nothing. You, you, moving the the white line a meter and a half on the yeah. edge of on the edge of Olympic Park down there at the the uh, the motor dome is not going to affect Ain't shit. anything except the psychological na- narrative of we're better prepared this time is everything. And I think that possibly we are better prepared than the Swans. Well, I think all will be revealed in just a couple of short days. I cannot wait. I cannot cannot wait to get up there. If you're traveling up um, and you want to catch up, hit us up in the DMs. Let's link and build. Let's let's make something of it. We're going to be there Saturday. We'll be there all day Sunday. Meet us in the Virgin Lounge. We'll um, we'll be tearing that joint apart. But let's let's move on quickly because I want to get to the to the main course of this episode of of Pie Hard. And before we do, shout out to anyone who is listening to this episode, burning up, doing 115, probably 100, putting 120 on the dash. <laughs> let's be honest. Up the Hume Highway, headed north, headed to Sydney. If you are in a bus, a truck, a car, hell, if you're even on a train, an overnighter, a sleeper, um, we hope this episode on this this really, really, really awesome interview that we've got lining up just just before we go. Do you you know what I'm expecting for Friday, especially when Mm. I think a bulk of people are going to be up the Hume? It's going to be seen straight from Mad Max, you know, with like. All these animals <laughs> yeah. hanging out of the cars, shrieking, <laughs> yeah, yeah, dust yeah, yeah, yeah. billowing. But what, what yeah. are your favourite places to um, to stop in terms of an itinerary? You've got, yeah, sure, it's eight hours, but it's never eight hours. It's always like mm. ten hours. But where do you stop, and uh, what do you like to um, to do on the Hume on the way up? Well, I don't, I don't, I'm not really a driver. I, I prefer to fly. So I can, I've got a hand on heart. So I don't think I've ever driven that stretch. Wow, ne- ever never. in my life, never. No, no, no. Holy rather- shit. I'd rather spend three hours in a in an airport than. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I think I'll tell, tell you what I would. I tell you what I would do, Alex. I tell you what I would do. I would. I would break it up with a with a country bakery stop. I think that's just a, a well, lock and load. It's funny you say that because I've got my little list of my very short list of things to do on the Hume, and it's it's what I do every time. So one is I have a nap at the Dog in the Tucker Box. All right, <laughs> like an actual snooze. Well, this is when I've driven up. I've driven the Hume by myself several times. Right. So if you try and do uh, like nine hours or whatever in one stint by yourself without a power nap, you're asking for trouble. Yeah. Um, so if you if you are by yourself, drive carefully and make sure you do have a power nap. I recommend Dog at the Tucker Box. You can park under a tree there. Uh, when you wake up, you can go get a solo. But mm. lunch, and you mentioned bakery demo, lunch, you cannot go past the whole brook Bakery now Holbrook, uh, for those yeah. in the know, um, is known for one of the more quirky tourist destinations. Is the uh, the submarine at Holbrook, obviously being nine hundred kilometres inland, um, it's unusual to have a submarine in Holbrook. But uh, I believe mm. it's uh, from memory, it's the H M A S Otway, and um, you can you can walk in and around the submarine. It's sitting in a park, 
um, not 100 metres from the uh, Holbrook Bakery. Terrific Nanish tarts. Uh, a great selection of pastries and pies. There's lots of drolls. Yeah, I'm Anna Summary. We'll see you there. Look, look, before we get into the interview, we posted a hard ask earlier on Twitter. Our hard ask was, what are your favourite memories of Magpie turned Swan Paul Williams? Mm. And I just want to read out some. I want to situate everyone. I want All to right. read out some of these responses. As I said, we get so much love for this guy and it's really come through. And we've got video clips, we've got YouTube clips, we've got memories, moments. So I'm just going to read out a few. Billy said, great head of hair. He really? did, didn't he? He sort of had Lego hair, didn't he, Paul Williams? He sort of had... He still got beautiful hair. Great head he? of hair is in a good thickness um, and not kind of receding at all. And no. I, don't, I, think he's, I think he's maintained that. He's bang on, isn't he? Meta Magpie said, the collar of his pies jumper flapping in the wind, mouth ajar, pumping those legs at a million miles an hour with ball in hand, bursting down the wing yeah. during an underwhelming era of the club's history. That kind of sums it up perfectly, doesn't it? I think that's to a T, right? William Saunders said the tongue. That's another vote for the tongue. Um, yeah. Three Orange Whip 71 said bursting off the half forward flank and pumping the Sharon through the big sticks from outside 50. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. This is a great one from Andrew Marshall. When he got injured in 1994, mum helped me send him a letter to help him feel better. In the letter, I must have said I had a birthday coming up. Soon after, an eight-year-old birthday card written in gold glitter and signed by the great man arrived. Card is MIA but I still have the envelope and Andrew has posted a photo of a blue envelope with metallic silver ink so what Leon never responded to to you but um, Paul Williams absolutely hit up Andrew Marshall you've got to love that why did he send an 8 year old card (laughs) very good Big Mike said can't remember the exact game but he was returning from injury through the seconds at Big Park a big crowd gathered early just to watch him as we always did when a star was in the twos. Right. He was so far superior to the other players out there, it wasn't funny. Love that. I love when a when a star player returns through it's true. The, the VFL. It's great. And you gather around on the, on the hill and it's, it's awesome. It's the Buckley-Williamstown effect. Absolutely. Adam Hoskins said he's, well, he's given us two. His first goal for the Pies wearing number 37 at Waverley down the little scoreboard end member's pocket. Mm. We beat the Dogs and Cheer Squad had the we are the Premier's champ going on. Isn't that just incredible, the, the depth of knowledge of the Pie Hard audience, just to think that. The number two one was, right. and we're going to hear about this a bit, the long goal at the Gabba with Bucks kicking it in and Willow getting it in the centre and then goaling. You know the one we're talking about, right? It's etched in etched in the memory of, of Collingwood supporters. It's even, if you, if you haven't seen it, jump onto at Pie Hard Podcast on Twitter and uh, check out the hard ass. There are multiple videos of it. Angie, my favourite was the 10-second goal where Bucks clears it from the centre and it lands in Paul's hands and he scores another one for that one. Tick. Uh, Jess, this is a good one. We had a Willow song. And because we were in the reserved seats, a good 20 or so regular people around us would all sing along when one person started it. Always gave everyone a laugh and a smile. I think you've really made it as a footballer if you have a song. Yeah, right. Yeah. Or a chant. Customised just for you. I think that's, that's, that's true. Peter said long-range goal with mouth open. Glenn Peters said a wet day at Arctic Park when for the first half he was sliding every time he went near the ball. The second half, everything was fine. Interview after the game, what happened? His quote, I copped a bit of a spray at halftime for wearing the moulded soles. That's a 
It's a mark the against the human cross cats. Great man. band name, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> it is a molded soul. It's a <laughs> That should be the pie hard cover themed, band. Um, so yeah, good. Let's start a band. This is a good one from Michael. The gold that was used on the takeoff video on Anset Australia flights. Now, I don't know. <laughs> oh, what? Uh, we've got to find this because how amazing. If you're if yeah, Anset takeoff video, Paul Williams. So it's just a match made gold Kevin. Isn't it? Wow. I can't believe that. Yeah, I know. Anytime it would make the $700 Virgin would never have had the the foresight to do that. Dan Taylor, anytime he sprinted, bounced three times and kicked golf for 50, which seemed to be a weekly event. I think it was, Dan. I really do. I think it was. That is far and away the most signature kind of memory that people have of him, isn't it? Because I'm exactly the same. That's the only thing etched in my memory is that just pumping legs because he wasn't wasn't a tall player um, and just launching. Yeah. Uh, Lee Lee said goals in front of the MCC 50 metre arc. CP said Pies versus Eagles in Perth in 92 regular season game came on second quarter and dominated. Yeah. Uh, Pete said my mate screaming out Willow every time his speed lead led him to a running goal and high fives all around. Uh, what else have we got here? For we've got a few more for the long running goals from the 50 metre arc. Uh, huge quads, said Mick. And this is a good one from Chris Turner. We'll finish on this one. He said, a radio interview from 1997 after we played the Bulldogs. Willow's direct opponent was Liberatore and tore him a new one, kicking three on that day. The reporter asked a question about all the scratches on his arms. Liber had a reputation for dirty tactics at the time. And Willow just brushed it off, saying it was just a tough game. Everyone knew exactly what was happening, though. So... Not a snitch. I think we can mm. apply from that. A man of honour. Well, Craig Kelly didn't get the same leeway did he, with the pinching. That he made did. headlines. This should, this should have just been dismissed, you know, what happens on the field. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I, I think there's some really great responses, but let's 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 hear from the man himself. Let's, uh, let's give him a jingle. This is the Pie Hard Preliminary Final Special Edition interview with none other than Collingwood champion Paul Willow Williams. Let's do it. Close your eyes and picture this. There's a ball up in the middle of the MCG on a warm, sultry Saturday afternoon. Damien Monkhurst wins the hit out, caressing the ball in the direction of our next guest. Despite moving at max speed, he collects the ball gracefully before tearing away from the centre like a hero running towards a house fire. He takes a bounce, then another. His sizable quads expand and contract in the afternoon sun. He closes in on the 50-metre arc and in a single motion pins the ears back and executes a near-perfect drop punt with stadium-shaking effect. The ball follows a near-perfect geometric arc. It crosses the goal line and lands precisely on the goal umpire's white hat. Pigeons scatter. The famous chant goes up. Recruited from North Hobart, Paul Williams arrived at Collingwood with little fanfare. However, his impact was instant, taking out the best first-year honours in his first season at the club. He was in many ways a poster boy for 90s-era Collingwood, playing under the likes of Matthews, Shaw and Malthouse, and alongside superstars like Fuller, Tape, Pugsley and Rasso. His speed and ability to kick long-running goals excited the ticket-paying public and terrified opposition coaches and he excelled during a dark time when team success eluded the Magpies. Yet his dashing runs could make even a bad day at the footy not too bad. 
By the end of the 2000 season, he left Collingwood bound for the Harbour City, unfettered from the fanfare of playing for a club as big as Collingwood, and in relative anonymity, he took his game to another level, winning two consecutive Bob Skilton medals in 2001 and 2002, as well as being selected in the All-Australian team of 2003. By the end of 2005, Williams would add a prized premiership medallion to his suburban man cave full of beer memorabilia and football artefacts. He retired a year later with 306 career games under his belt and 307 scintillating goals. Now, we could have had any number of dual magpie swan players on Piehard for this special preliminary final episode, but few captured our impressionable adolescent hearts quite like this man. And, well, to be honest, Mark Orchard wouldn't return our calls. Willow, hello and welcome to Pie Hard. Thanks, Damien. Very nice. It's probably the best uh, little intro that I've ever seen, ever, ever got done. But except I'll be running away from the house. Not house fire. That. Okay. I didn't, want, I didn't want to get too, I didn't get into too detail on that. I, I, think I, I think I had to save a small child, but I got rid of that. So I'm glad I did. Um, all right. Let's, let's get straight into it. Willow, where... Obviously, big fans. Um, as I was telling telling you offline, we grew up in that peak era of '90s Collingwood um, football, and and for many of us, seeing you play was the epitome of of going to Vic Park, and it was exciting. We all wanted to kick goals. We all wanted to burst out of the pack and um and and, and kick them on the run. So it was, it, we're very honoured to have you. So thanks for giving us your time. No, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Great. All right. Well, we'd like to start with the hard questions here. So you're a proud Tasmanian. And you grew up playing football for North Hobart. Now, during our extensive research for this interview, we learned that during the off-season, you would play basketball with a fellow Collingwood player from Tasmania to maintain your fitness. Do you still shoot hoops with the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar of football operations, Graham Wright? (laughs) Um, No, don't shoot hoops with him anymore. But we used to, it's quite good, we used to play in a a tournament every year. we were called the Bowls, uh, the Bachelors of Love, because we're all single. Um, <laughs> nice. Um, so that that was interesting, and we it, we we recruited Bucks one year, and um, <laughs> he was possibly the worst basketballer <laughs> I've ever seen. There you go, pie hard exclusive straight out the straight out the gates. Why Buckley? I, I would have gone someone really tall. Yeah, well, he just kept annoying us, wanted to come and play, <laughs> yeah. so we gave yeah. in. Okay, it, it like, feels like it a prerequisite like these days to be able to play fairly elite level basketball to make it in the AFL midfield. Yeah, I think it, it's interesting. I, I suppose Pendles is currently the, the most famous basketball slash uh, footballer. And hmm. I, I, I think the, the beauty about playing basketball um, uh, it, it, along with, with the footy is it actually just gives you that, that vision, that peripheral vision. And yeah. you actually can read the play. And it actually helps you in in like uh, tight situations to make some good decisions. So I, I love the game. I just unfortunately was vertically challenged a little and couldn't uh, couldn't take it any further. Point guard. Well, you, you know you can't do that anymore at Collingwood. We had the incident with um, Braden Braden Sire, the mm. fill in issue. Obviously, that was no issue back when you were playing. You could you could do anything. One one question I wanted to ask: Are you still in touch with with Wrighty uh, these days? Yeah. Yeah, 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 he actually rang me today. Right, um, right. Um, because the great man Dakes um, rang me as well. Was we were trying to, we were trying to plan to get to Sydney mm. to um, obviously right. Graham as loud as we can up there, and 
uh, Roddy rang me and he, uh, he managed to, <coughs> excuse me, get me on the the family and friends sort of flight. Um, oh, so nice. I, right, I didn't awesome. have to pay uh, two thousand dollars to get there. I, I got it at a nice price. Which is was that good. the the special A three eighty that uh, Graham's lined up there? Is it the Emirates A three eighty? I don't know. I, I think it's Virgin. I think it's Virgin. Okay. Um, uh, but yeah, there's a there's a group there's a group of us going, um, which which is really exciting. It's going to be it's gonna, not just the game, uh, but it's going to be nice to to catch up with everyone um, before yeah. and, and after. You'll be royalty up there in Sydney. Well, look, let us know what time the plane leaves, and we'll be there. Um, <laughs> absolutely, no drama. Well, I wanted to ask you this question about Graham Wright too, um, Willow. And yeah. this is not a Graham Wright episode by any stretch, but <laughs> I only learned today that he has an MBA in sports management. Do, did you know he was smart back then? He was, yeah, yeah. Um, unfortunately, I have to give him a little bit of credit. I don't want to, but um, he he always loved um, the NBA, the, the, the NFL, yeah. the way that they trade, everything to do with, and like we we would re- read the Herald Sun, for example, on a on a Monday, and and have a look at um, who's canning us or who's pumping us up. And he would be reading the USA Today. Mm. So he no was way. Doing, he was doing that right from when he was yeah. probably twenty one, yeah. uh, right through. So he's he's always had a passion for it, and and clearly he's done an amazing job at Hawthorne. And now yeah. um, he's, oh, he's doing he's a good got, job. Yeah, he's got he's. He, He's got a touch of gold at the minute, Roddy, which is good. But he's he's a brilliant he's a brilliant operator. Um, not a great human, but he's a brilliant operator. <laughs> I was going to say this this bodes well for us getting Roddy on the podcast next, but mm-hmm. might have to edit that bit out. Yeah. Well, when you if you do get him, uh, because we did live with each other for a little bit. Oh just right. Ask him about the hamburger and the taxi. Just say that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sounds like the name of his biography. <laughs> I'd love to dig a bit deeper on that, but I get the feeling that there's some confidentiality clauses surrounding that one. Yeah, I might have to let him say that one. Uh, all, all I will say is it was 4 a.m. and it was out the front of our house and there wasn't a happy taxi driver at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> Rarely is at that time. No. So, Willow, um, as Damien mentioned, we will simply never forget you streaming through the middle um, in that kind of mid to late 90s period full tilt and launching shots from always seem to be outside 50, to be mm. honest, in my memory. Um, you're certainly one of my favourite players uh, to watch and you'll just be able to set the Magpie Army alight uh, with with those big goals. It seems to me it takes a certain amount of self-belief but also some, some licence from the coach to be able to burn any other options that might be lurking in the mm. 50 and actually just go for just the go sticks. Yeah. Yeah, I was. I know you um, reeled off a few, but I was very lucky to have Lee as my first coach. Um, mm. As a seventeen-year-old coming into the game, um, I couldn't have I couldn't have wished for a, a better coach than what he was. And he, um, whilst he was really tough and he was extremely hardy, he, he was very, um, uh, very much okay. With the fact, if you had the ability to do something, uh, whether it's take a mark or, mm. or have a have a shot from uh, you know a, a distance which you, you should comfortably make, um, he was he was all for that. I remember actually now that now that you say it, I think he gave Dake's license to unload a torp in the same fashion, right? 
to empower his players to kind of go, for, you know, to express their skills if they're if they're capable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he he was, he gave uh, Danks a license to kick thirteen against Johnny Gastev in the pocket as well one day <laughs> against the Bears. I remember that. Um, I wish they gave out more of those licenses. <laughs> well, I still can't believe that poor Johnny Gastev uh, was stuck on dates for that whole game. I, I was only uh, then eighteen, and I even went up to him and said, "Oh, mate, I'm so sorry. You've had a shocker." While we're talking on coaches, you played under some some legendary leaders. Who did you connect with the most? Um, you know, throughout your career as a player, but both both at Collingwood and Sydney, from a coaching point of view. Yeah, well, I think um, the the best way that I can explain it is I, I probably didn't have Malthouse long enough. I only had him for one year, yep. so the unf- and he ha- he came at a very difficult time with the pie. So it's probably unfair for me to um, say anything about him. Um, other than the fact that he's the reason why I left, but that's another another uh, another hour. <laughs> we'll um, get to that. But, uh, but uh, like Lee, Lee was my grounding coach. Like he was, uh, he gave me the, um, the 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 idea of the basics are very very important and stick your head over the ball when it's your turn to go, you go and mm. and very very simple but very basic, very hard. And he was perfect for me to have that foundation and. And then um, I think Shorey was very much misunderstood. Um, he was ahead of the game a, a fair bit because he had a basketball background as well and he brought all the set plays in mm-hmm. and and all those set plays uh, every side's got now uh, and we were doing it uh, under him um, probably 10 or 12 years before anyone else. Um, right. So he was ahead of the game with that one. And then then I had Rocket, Rocket Ede after Moldhouse. Yeah. I had Rocket. Um, Rocket was probably the tactically the smartest coach I'd ever um, played under, and I was lucky enough to sit next to him in the coaching box for a while as well. Mm. Um, so he was brilliant, and and then you got Ruzi, who um, uh, Ruzi had uh, an uncanny ability to get people to do something that they don't want to do. Mm. <laughs> um, um, I used to I used to joke with him about um, how can the most unaccountable centre-half back in the history of the game have the most accountable discipline team. <laughs> and he he would re, um, respond by just saying there was only one Paul Ruse and he couldn't play like me, so uh, I had to change it up. Um, so he was he was brilliant the way that he could. Mm. He he transformed me, transformed me a little. Um, Rocket was great for me, gave me freedom, gave, gave me um, the ability to go in the midfield more, mm. which I was craving. That was part of the reason why I left. Um, Collingwood, unfortunately, I, I just wanted, I wanted to get more midfield time. I, I was victim of uh, playing okay as a half forward flanker, and it was a little bit different back in those days. We didn't come up the ground as much as what they yeah. do now, and um, it, it was a, a difficult position to play if you're getting tagged hard. So mm. um, I, I was keen to get in the middle, and and, and I had a really big tank. Uh, I could run, uh, I could run a fair bit, and. And I just felt that uh, going. That's how Rocket convinced me, I suppose, to, to go to go to Sydney. He was going to mm. play me in the middle, and and then once he left and Ruzi jumped on, Ruzi probably transformed the game a little bit more and got me playing on people. And I said, I don't play anyone; they play on me. What are you talking about? Um, but <laughs> they 
he cha- he did change my my game style as well, which was which was pretty cool. We'll come back to um, that transition to the Swans and and how that all played out yep. in your career, but. Let's just rewind for a moment. We, we love on Pie Hard talking about the facilities of Victoria Park and especially the algae-ridden players' spa. Um, we know there was a Legionnaires outbreak there at one, at one time. What were your first memories of, of Vic Park and why couldn't Damien Monkhurst fix the goddamn plumbing? Oh, well, he was part of the problem. Um, <laughs> when his lack of hygiene that jumped in the spa was not good. Um, <laughs> So I, I think the Legionnaires probably came from inside his body somewhere. Uh, <laughs> monkey, monkey pox. <laughs> yeah, it was something like that. Um, the, the, the great man was uh, was a little bit different when he jumped in the spa with with, uh, with the rest of the boys. Right. Um, <laughs> Say no. Yeah, but like it, it was really interesting. Like we we even at one stage um, we got on the tools uh, as players and we knocked down walls to make our gymnasium bigger and and it was <laughs> it was ridiculous like you imagine <laughs> you imagine like yeah. getting getting pendles and uh, degoey and yeah and, and the dacos boys to to get a sledgehammer and, and wheelbarrow and <laughs> lift all these bricks and and throw mm. them out and then build build walls and all that sort of stuff. So we actually did that at Vicky Park, which was, which was a bit different. <laughs> the idea of Nick Dacos touching any power tool now sends no. a shock through my system. I don't want him any, anywhere near some any mechanical <laughs> device, let's not with those hands. Let's protect that young man. So <laughs> can, I, can I ask, how the renovation rescue go at Vic Park? Did it come out? Because it doesn't look in great shape now. Well, is that's that, why it was testament? condemned, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's probably why they had to do. Um, no, it was. It was. It served its purpose. Yeah. Um, we didn't have, and I suppose, unfortunately, we didn't have a lot of money back then. And Eddie, mm. Eddie did an amazing job uh, yeah. lifting yeah. the, the club um, back up to where it is today. And yeah. um, uh, we had to get on the tools yeah. if we wanted to. Uh, Remove the old, mm. remove the old spa which monkey stuffed, and and mm. build a new one that was more hygienic. Um, we needed to do it ourselves. Unreal. Let's um, we we could talk about Vic Park all, all day. Um, but we've got a lot of a lot of ground to cover. I want to I want to quickly skip ahead. We, we're skipping around a little bit, but um, to when Tony Shaw took over as senior coach. Yep. Now we understand one of his first mandates was to tackle the team's infamous reputation for late night partying. Now, it was reported um, that he imposed a strict, I think it was a 1 a.m. curfew, a blanket ban on maybe the King Street nightclubs and a $10,000 fine for players breaching the new discipline. For for people that didn't grow up in that era or weren't around the team, was the partying out of control? And I guess the second part of that question, Paul, is someone who played in the 90s and the noughties, do you feel like you witnessed firsthand the transition into elite professionalism? Yeah, no, listen. I, I think in some ways I'm I'm very lucky in the fact that when I first started, we worked during the day, um, full time job, and then had to train either early in the morning or, or that night. Um, so I transitioned out of that into the the full time footy, um, uh, where it changed again. Um, the infamous one a.m. curfews and go, not allowed in King Street. That's one hundred percent correct. And um, I. I didn't think that we were terrible. I thought North Melbourne were probably worse than us, um, and they were having a lot of success. So we thought that that's what you needed to Follow do. Follow it, yeah. Except, yeah. 
Um, so I, I, I didn't think it was worth the, the ban. A couple of guys got in a, a couple of um, uh, interesting uh, situations which the club didn't want people to get into. Yes, most people make poor decisions after 1am, uh, especially mm. if you if you've ran 20k uh, around the ground that 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 afternoon yeah. <laughs> and then you then you've got a you got the drink cards you've got the 10 drink cards at the tunnel um which <laughs> turn into 100 um <laughs> so that that uh, never never ends well so i understand why i did it yeah. but it was, it was something that was never going to be sustainable <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. Now, speaking on on the theme, it's it's been really interesting. We've sort of seen this resurgence of footy teams heading overseas together on end of footy season trips this year. I don't know if you've picked up on this. I think North yeah. Melbourne have done it. I think Essendon have done it. it you, you played the majority of your footy for Collingwood in the nineties when you know we've just discussed Collingwood were the kings of, of nightlife along with North Melbourne. What are your fondest memories of those footy trips with your teammates and what's the wildest thing you ever saw a player do? Oh, oh shit. <laughs> um, uh, you can mention. More handbag yeah, stories. The, the, the fondest memories are just getting away as a group. Like it was – Where would you go? Uh, we, we didn't go anywhere the first three three years. Um, I think it was – yeah, it might have been four years. It mm. was funny one year, and clearly not allowed to do this anymore. But when gambling did uh, was uh, permissible, mm. um, we we were playing Carlton, I think it was, and um, we decided we only had ten thousand dollars in the the trip the fund. Yeah, yeah. So we decided that it'd be a good idea to put put some money on ourselves to win the last game. So, <laughs> so we'll, we'll either go. We'll allegedly. Either, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. And we're either going to go to Hawaii or <laughs> Horsham. Um, I've never seen a group of guys so upset after yeah. we lost by four points. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, because we were off to Horsham. Off to Horsham. Ten grand yeah. down the gurgler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're not sure. That, yeah, that's great. Who who were always the, the the stars of those trips looking back? Who were the, the one who would organize and and who was who was uh, a party starter? Well, Gav, Gav Krasicki was very good. Um yep. uh in the the day when uh, uh we would do that stuff. M- Monkey was probably the one that did the most bizarre crazy and I yep. can't believe you just done that thing. That fits. Um, yeah. So he he used to always want a room with the the recruit, um, <laughs> and he Some would kind of hazing ritual. Yeah, he used to suggest to the young kid that uh, he needs to be initiated on this trip, and <laughs> part of that is you know joining the beds together and getting getting it on. So. It, it was. Uh, it was. <laughs> imagine, yeah. imagine that big six foot ten bike with. Oh a, my god! With a horrible. I'm not going to say, but a no. horrible looking uh, whatever, mm. and that attacks you during the night. Not not a pretty thing. I think we're getting a glimpse into why the '90s perhaps weren't as successful as we'd hoped <laughs> at Collingwood. <laughs> well, on field, it sounds like it was uh, roaring. No, we we're, were very close though. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> good bonding, good bonding. Yeah. So Willow, you're hosting a dinner party at your place. Yeah. 
You can only invite two former Magpie teammates. Yeah. Who you got? Only two. Mm. Shit. Um, Peter Dacos. And, nice. And probably, probably Ridey, I think. Mm-hmm. Nice. A very cerebral mix there. Sounds like there'd be a, a big uh, sort yeah. of in-depth conversation around player trades and analysis from the US and Dacos kicking a soccer round. Is that correct? No, it'd be all about how good we used to be and how shit we are today. <laughs> okay. Speaking of Dakes, um, what's it like um, knowing the great man for many years now, watching him and, and kind of watching him vicariously watch his mm-hmm. sons Mm, in yeah. the current climate. It's pretty special as a supporter to see that. Uh, it's one of my favourite moments this this year, really. It was um, I was uh, sitting just in front of Dakes at the the Essendon uh, Collingwood Elliott goal after the siren. Yeah. Mm. Um, and he was jumping up and down like he was 10 um, after Elliot kicked it and I'm jumping on, and we're, we're like little kids. But um, I said, "You've got to slow down, mate. You're going to have a heart attack." Like he's that, he's that excitable, and that um, he never ever wasn't in love with the club. But I think both his boys getting back in there yeah. and, and doing yeah. so well, um, and and both having great years. Like you know, Nick's very well publicised how big a year he's had for a first year. But I think Josh has taken his game to another level as well, and. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if both of them finish, you know, in the top three of the the Copeland this year, um, which would be great, great fitting, fitting result for for, mm. for a really, really super family. It's a great Collingwood story, and um, you know, we were lucky enough to to catch the the the, the Dacos years, the Peter Dacos years. So for us, it's um, you know, it's 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 an absolute thrill, and that's what that's what. It's a really beautiful part of our game that you can actually do that and it's celebrated and there's an opportunity for, for um, you know, uh, sons and daughters now to, to, to follow in their father's um, and eventually mother's footsteps. It's really cool. Now, we want to we kind of, you know, keep moving forward to the end of your time at Collingwood and, you know, rumours have always sort of swirled around your departure from the Pies in, in 2000. Was well, it a fall? Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. So do we on Pi. Was it a fallout with new coach Mick Malthouse? Was it a strained relationship with Nathan Buckley? Yeah. Uh, did Craig Jackatine's choice of aftershave really rock you? What for now? Let's put it on the record. Everyone's going to be yeah. listening. They're going to be they're going to be driving up to Sydney. They're going to pull over at Gundagai. They're going to turn up the, the car stereo. They want to know once once and for all, Willow. What what's the real story behind your departure from the Pies? Uh, well, this this is one hundred percent Scouts honor truth. Um, I. I was a little bit um, disappointed with our 2000 year. Um, I, I naively thought Mick would make a bigger impact uh, in that year, um, uh, and that was naive of me to think think something like that. Um, uh, so at the end of, I was still contracted, so I was still contracted in 2001. I said to Neil Baum, who was the footy manager at the time, and and Mick that I needed to have a meeting with you. Can you come to my place at 9am on Monday? Um, just want to talk about a few things because I, I wanted to put my hat in the ring to, to be traded. And um, they said, no, 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 you're not going anywhere. Uh, we'll, we'll beat your place at 9am. So uh, about 10 to 9, um, 
Barmy rings me and says, oh, mate, sorry, Mick can't come. He's got to play golf. And I said, well, Barmy, just turn around. Let's not worry about it. Um, just get get the trade done. And he said, you're not going anywhere. And I said, if you trade me now, you'll get something. Uh, where if I play a year and I'm not happy, I, I, you might not get much for me. I, I'm only 27 now and you, you actually might might get something worth while. And so in the end, that, that was the last straw that broke broke the camel's back, I suppose, that I, I needed to have a conversation with him um, and he uh, he didn't turn up. Wow. Yeah, and, and just... I mean, <clears throat> hypothetical here is. Do you reckon that's one of the Malthouse deliberate sort of ploys, or was it just he had a golf game and didn't think much of it? Oh, he, it, it He's was quite tactical, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he is. Um, I think I, I don't. I don't know the answer to this. Actually, I, I, I really don't know. Um, I've never. I've never. It's been a bit strained our relationship ever since. Yeah. Uh, even when, even when uh, he, I was coaching uh, with Rats at Carlton, yep. and then when Mick got that gig, uh, Greg Swan rang me. It was quite funny. Um, he said, uh, "If Mick gets it, you're probably you're probably in trouble." And I was contracted still. Yeah. And I said, "Don't be silly. That was ten years ago. We're grown adults. Yep. Let's mm-hmm. let's just sit in a room." And if we can't work together, let's shake hands and move on. Yeah. Um, but he wouldn't take the meeting, right. and I got fired by courier, so I got a check. Wow! <laughs> wow! It is uh, another interesting. So like, he's not my most favourite human going mm. around, but there's yeah. there's a lot of Collingwood people that love him. Uh, he, he did. He was there for ten years, and, and he was a premiership coach. So. Mm. He's done a lot of good things for that footy club. We Just, we spoke to yeah we sorry Alex we spoke to Heath about this last week. He's like you know he has some thoughts about his exit around Collingwood and 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 he was just clear. He's like you you're surrounded by a lot of different people, a lot of different personalities. You're not going to get on with everyone. So yeah, it's just part and parcel of of, it, of of the game, isn't it? It's it's impossible to get on with everyone. I think the one thing that you have to do is you have to be able to respect everyone. And mm. and if either party. Uh, feels like they're, mm. they're wavering in that space. Yeah, I, I think that's when it's time to go. And that's broken trust. That sounds to me like broken trust between a, a player and a coach when something like that happens. And when you're already thinking of leaving, when you're already, you know, your mind's almost made up. Like that's that's the sealer in many ways, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was. Uh, it was the sealer. And I think that's where I ranked with Craig Kelly was my manager at the time, and I said, Ned, uh, I don't care what you do, don't care what you say. Just uh, get me get me out of here. Um, I only want to go to Sydney because I didn't want to play for another Melbourne club. Um, yep. Being being such a, uh, a massive club, Collingwood, I didn't want to do that. And yep. Rocket Rocket he, uh, tried to get me in '99, and he was my allies back in the Duckale days when we played state footy with allies. Uh, he was yep. my allies coach in '95. And right. with the Tassie connection as well, it seemed like a good fit, and and I, I really wanted to play alongside Paul Kelly as well. So that that was another thing that was uh, pretty key in my mind. Right. Like in hindsight, like if we had our grey head knowledge that I've got now, um, there, there's no way I'd, I would have made a rash decision to to leave uh, the way I left. Um, if I had my time again, I would have just. I uh, said, okay, no worries, let's reschedule. It's not that hard to reschedule. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I was 
was not as uh, stable in my mind at that point and with the way that the footy club was going. Uh, I, I took I took a, a, a option to to tack left when uh, it, I, I do, although I had really good success in Sydney and, you know, won a couple of BNFs and premiership, et cetera, um, it is one of my regrets that I wasn't a one-club one player. Yeah, and I think from our point of view, it was one of those trades that hurt as a supporter because I think you were much loved um, and you were in your, the prime of your career as as evidenced by the success you had at, at Sydney. But moving up to Sydney, yep. what was the contrast like? Um, you know, you've gone from the massive Melbourne fishbowl and then going somewhere where you're probably not recognised in the yep. street. Did you enjoy that aspect? Yeah, and I, I think that... Um, it's changed the game now, but I think in that era, like um, Wayne Swass went up there, Pogo went up there, Barry Hall came up there. So there were some big, there were some big names that come up, and and the beauty about living in Sydney and and playing professional f- football um, is you get to be normal. Um, you you go to the the local milk bar to get some bread and milk. And you're home in five minutes. In in Melbourne, I'd have to go through the second quarter and why we did something and we should have done something else. And uh, it's it's very all encompassing here in Melbourne. Uh, in Sydney, you got to you got to just train extremely hard, work hard, and then be normal. And and that was that was nice. It's always been a, a nice thing for a mature recruit to actually go to Sydney. And I think that's why a lot of a lot of guys had some success up there. Sure. And it seems from the outside that interesting contrast from that, you know, Monkhurst Legionnaires type spa scenario where the players are uh, rebuilding their own gym, you know, to an uh, entirely new environment. And they became known during that era for the Bloods culture. And obviously yep. that led to the ultimate success um, with with the Premiership in 2005, which you were a big part of. Yeah, well, I think the, um, the first couple of years that I was there, um it it wasn't as in your face in terms of trying to re- rejuvenate the the bloods culture it was it was definitely something that that happened um when Ray McLean from leading teams came into the the organization and and his relationship with Paul Ruse was pretty pretty remarkable and uh Ruse gave him more control than I think any senior coach uh, would have the comfort to do, um, which then enabled us to basically rebuild that that Bloods culture and and have some behaviours that we would accept and ones that we wouldn't, uh, we'd all get punished on. And and it's become quite famous now that 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 they a lot of clubs have have done it and, and tried to do it and some have failed, some have succeeded. But the the the, the whole crux of it is if you if you say something and you and you and you don't do what you say, then then there's some recourse that's going to be had. And but we we even had in the leadership team uh, right at the end of uh, even in that 2005 season, we would go into the coaching group and say. Um, that a certain player wasn't behaving the way we want him to on the footy field. He wasn't right. um, putting his head where he needs to put it. And um, 
we think he needs to go back to the twos to to get a harder edge in his game, and then we need to get him back in before finals because he'll be really important to us in finals. So that, that's the sort of power that we had and that's the sort of confidence Ruzi had and the the faith he had in us to be able to uh, to back us when we did say that and, and, and vice versa. If he came to us, uh, clearly we, we would row the, the same boat as what, what he wants. It's fascinating, isn't it? Because if you look at like the Collingwood team of now or like any AFL team, you know, in the present day, there's a lot of celebration of different characters and personalities, and 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 you know, the philosophy, the coaching philosophy from Craig McRae at the moment is to to bring those strengths. We want to see those. We want to celebrate. We want to bring those. And 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 sometimes it can rub other players up the wrong way. Sometimes it can look like you know, laconic. Like Ash Johnson is a player that just looks like you know he's in second gear the whole time. He's not, but that's just his laconic nature. Yeah. Uh, Jack Ginevan is a is an extrovert on the field, but you know off the field we know he's struggling with things. Thing. So would that would that sort of style of accountability and that leading teams sort of approach that 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 was successful in Sydney back back in the in the mid noughties does that would that even work now? I, I think it, that real hard edge style might, might struggle. Yeah, mm. definitely. Yeah. Uh, I, I I love the. The footage of Nick Dacos screaming, walking mm. up the race before yeah. the game on the weekend. I, I just thought like that's just brilliant. Yeah. Like uh, the the game has gone back to uh, uh, first first and foremost. The reason why we played the game is for enjoyment, and yeah. fun, and play play a sport which we think is the best in the world, and and play it with your mates. And and yeah. that's that's the sort of feeling that I'm getting with the pies. Uh, mm. they, they, they brought that back in. Um, I think the, the problem with the hard edge um, yeah. side of uh, uh, of a group is that can curtail some uh, flair, I suppose. Yeah, and and some people might not do, but there, no one uh, through the Bloods era or even now uh, you wouldn't you won't see Sydney screaming and and whistling as they're going up the race uh, yeah. on Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Now. Is that that works for them, and that's that's fine. Um, yeah. But I actually love the fact that it's come back to that. Okay, we can have fun, um, but when when it's our turn to go, we go. Yeah, mm. we love it too. Was it was there an element? We always kind of hear these stories about Rusey, quite quite a spiritual guy, and I'm assuming yeah. there were yoga mats and incense burning in the coach's box. Just how that <laughs> sort of sits within that sort of hard sort of edge approach. It seems like there were a lot of sort of um, different opposing sort of forces going on around that that bloods culture that just sort of worked. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think uh, Ruzi's wife um, had uh, had stuff to do with that as well, which like she was very spiritual and a um, uh, little bit of a uh, hybrid clairvoyant slash healer as well. So it was it was interesting um, to hear her side of things as well and. When I found out that she was a little bit of a, a clairvoyant, um, mm. I used to just go up to her before the game and said, should, should, I, should I try or should I save myself for next week? <laughs> and, and she she wouldn't, she'd just go, go try, will I? Just who, have you got, who have you got in uh, Doomman, race six? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, but so I think with Ruzi, it's it's his whole family. His whole family are, are like that and, and you can't, you can't fake that, and, and it's real in his world. And 
Um, and, and and it was real with what, what we did as well. Like we were very, we were very committed, um, we were very hard on each other, probably over the top hard. Yep. Um, and when I look back on it, it was pretty, it's pretty fierce what we, mm. what, what we would take and what we wouldn't take. And um, I, I, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that, not that like, the leading team stuff worked for us, yep. um, but I'm really glad to see the game do a 360 and come, yeah, come back to the fun side of it. And yeah, it's still, I think the game's in great hands now. I was a bit worried about it in 2019, 2020. I thought it was a bit boring, yeah. bit slow, defensive, um, no, not enough scores. Yeah. So now, now we've got young coaches like Fly, who's had an exceptional year, uh, and and so is all these assistants like, um, th- those boys have been terrific as well. So for them to bring this new sort of manic, uh, take it on. Uh, you, you think back to Moldhouse days, it was very predictable, go along the boundary line and bring it in and mm. don't take any risks uh, uh, backward of centre, basically. Yeah. Um, and then Bucks, Bucks was a little bit more control, like don't take, take too much on. Uh, and where Fly's just gone, go and play. Go yeah, and play. Absolutely. Yeah. And Paul, and Paul Williams' get, approach. Yeah, if you can get Suck it, it under the, the arm. Well, guess what? Look, if you play like um, the slow, boring, uh, uh, steady as she goes approach, Tony Lockett wouldn't kick goals. Yeah. And yeah. like, it's no surprise that the forward line's starting to function now. That yeah. now that the the ball's coming in a lot quicker, uh, it's a lot harder for a defender to play on a forward now. Where previously mm. it was like shelling peas for him, and I think that that we saw against the Fremantle the other night, obviously really contrasting game plans. Where, from my point of view, one of them was really shown up. I mean, in the heat of finals with Fly McRae embracing chaos, yeah, um, versus the control game. And as supporters, it's pretty clear where our loyalties lie after this incredible season. Well, I think um, Fremantle will probably look back at it and go, okay, uh, the control gave us a little bit of protection on the scoreboard, um, but it didn't allow us to kick a, kick a winning score and that's not going to get it now. And, and I think that that's why it's going to be really interesting on Saturday. I, I think the, um, the manic nature of Collingwood's attack on, uh, on the ball but with the ball and without the ball is through the roof at the minute. I think it's really through the roof. And I know Sydney are very good in that space, but they've had 20, one game in 26 days where the Pies, the Pies have been like scratching and clawing for three weeks now. And now uh, I, I just think that they're primed. They're really primed to have a cracking game. Fingers crossed, Willow, for, for our sake. But it does beg the question, you're going to jump on a A380 with... Graham Wright sipping miniature bourbons for an hour and 15 minutes um, on the flight to Sydney. He is a bourbon drinker. <laughs> um, you get to the SCG. You know, you've mentioned that you've you've sat, you know, with Dakes and a lot of the old firm. What was the group called? The Bachelors. Um, you know, it's a reunion of sorts um, when you see these guys. But in your heart of hearts, you know, how do you – how do you deal with your, your divided loyalties between the, the Sydney Swans and the Pies? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I, I think because I've been back in Melbourne for the last 
three and a half or three and a half years, I think it is. I've really gone to a lot of Collingwood games and I've reignited my love for the for the footy club and um, I'm very much uh, hoping that the Pies win. Um, Swans people might not like me saying that, but uh, if it wasn't for the Pies, I'd be probably still making fish and chips in Tassie. So <laughs> uh, uh, I am a hell of a lot. I'm a... Lucky to be a life member at both clubs, um, yeah. um, but I had 10 years at, at the Pies, albeit only one final in that whole time. I, I probably had the worst era uh, of being being at a footy mm. club, um, especially when you like, I got drafted in 89 and wise Tasmanian, uh, was, I was 16 then, uh, was you could get drafted at 16, uh, decided to stay in Tassie to play a year and not come over in 1990 to... I wouldn't have played uh, in the flag, but but it would have been lovely to be around the club uh, when that did happen. And then probably a little bit too um, sure that it was going to happen again when I came over in, uh, in 1990. And um, the problem we had there was half the premiership guys didn't start training until January. Yeah, um, the uh, hangover. Yeah, and then... Then we lost one of the most uh, incredible players that I've ever played with in Darren Mullane end of that yeah. year. And that really just shook. Uh, but 92, like we finished equal top and all that sort of stuff, but um, that really shook the club a, a fair bit. Mm. Um, and and he, look, he's only 26 and yeah. he he's impossible to replace. Yeah. Um, so, so I think that probably pushed us back a, a, a fair bit. Um, we definitely underachieved, though, even with the talent that we did have. We, we, should, have, we should have played more finals. Um, we would go on streaks and then would go on losing streaks as well. So it was a frustrating period, but I, I, I'm forever indebted to them. Um, they, yeah. they gave me an opportunity and, uh, and they were really respectful for when I left as well. And even when I because I finished third in the BNF, I think it was my uh, in two thousand when I left, and even in my speech, um, I got all cheery with the uh, with all the the fans because they've always been so good to me. And um, even when I was playing at Sydney, that they were whilst they I'd get the the occasional heckle, which was quite funny. Um, um, most of them were, were yeah. quite respectful to me, which was good. It's quite incredible. I think I said this, but we um, you know, we we put a bit of a, a social post up. I think yesterday, just around you. Whenever, whenever we do anything, Paul Williams on on Piehard socials, the love is just is huge, and yeah. everyone says the same thing. They talk about the the bursting out of the center, the goals from sixty, the quads, you know, everything. It's just it's just the the love, the love, the, is, the love is there. We're, we're nearly there, Paul. We're, we're going to wrap it up. We, we're going to let you get back to um, whatever it is you're up to on this uh, fine evening. Probably packing for Sydney. Yeah. Um, I don't know if a lot of the Pie Hard audience know this, but you're actually one of 10 jury members sitting on the AFL tribunal. What's it like being a former Collingwood player on a jury instead of being in front of one? <laughs> uh, that's a very good question. I, I was actually um, I was actually locked up one time too. But we'll talk about that another time. How many um, today? No, it, it, it's, yeah, I'll tell you what, it's a lot better. Uh, you are. You, uh, you're you're a little bit more relaxed uh, than what uh, uh, if you're on the other side. But the, even the tribunals changed a heap. Like we we um, have to because 
because of COVID, we, we do it through the, the conference and mm. I have um I have my suit tie and yeah. just and just my board shorts on underneath. So, um, <laughs> oh, that gives, I love it. Uh, it's quite it's quite interesting, but I, I, mm. that's one thing that I'm I purposely have still wanted to do, so I can still you know contribute something yep. or stay involved in the AFL some way because I would never I'd never go back in a coaching um, aspect w- within a club. Uh, it's it's a little bit past me, but also um, so all, all encompassing. Uh, I, I I enjoy my life too much and enjoy my my social life yeah. too much and. Mm. I, I'm, I'm trying to catch up for lost time of 20s. And- you get to wear the boardies on Zoom calls. Sounds pretty good to me. Now, the million-dollar question, Paul, obviously, if the Pies do win on Saturday yep. and a player is reported, uh, we we all trust you to do the right thing on behalf of Collingwood and uh, look the other way and or, you know, um, crash the Zoom call or whatever needs to happen just to, just to just, prolong that just one. Just stand up and reveal the <laughs> pantsless. Motif. <laughs> yeah, the clutchless Sunday. So I'll, I'll, I'll re- reveal those. No, um, if I am, and if it does happen, I promise you, I'll do the right thing <laughs> and, make, and make sure that uh, even if even if he's got a smoking gun, he's going to be playing. Beautiful. All right. Well, well, I've got to say this is one of the most enjoyable and, and insightful uh, interviews we've had on on Pie Hard. Yep. We, uh, you know, we all. Are very grateful for your time. Appreciate the the candidness of the stories. It was great. Um, <clears throat> we said at the top of the show, there's going to be a lot of crazed Collingwood supporters doing the eight hour drive, whether it's on a bus or in a car up to Sydney. So yeah, we reckon we've knocked off an hour of that trip with uh, one of the most or well, one of the best interviews we've ever had on Pie Hard. So um, very grateful. You're you'll always be a club legend. Um, doesn't matter about the premierships. Doesn't matter about playing in that era. We celebrate that era. We love that era, and you were such an integral part of it. So, uh, thank you for your contribution, and um, yeah, we wish you all the best uh, for the Sydney trip. Hey, thanks, guys, and go Pies. We'll actually be in Sydney, Willow. So, um, yeah. if if you and Graham are hankering for a bourbon, we'll um, we'll hit you up. We're gonna we're gonna be there. We're gonna be doing some pie hard stuff. So, and then we're gonna yeah, well, games, you, you've got you've got my number. Uh, give me give me a hoy, and uh, we'll catch up. Yeah, we'll, awesome. we'll get you to just keep the the door to the rooms ajar, you or Graham, um, and <laughs> we'll come in with some little bourbons in our pocket and get just the party put started. Some, put some tape, put some tape over the lock, little, and we'll do we'll do the rest. Little hip fast, little hip fast. Yeah. Give, give me a hidden camera and a mic, and I'll put it. I'll stash it in there for you. Okay, <laughs> roaming Willow, love it. Okay, Pie Hard exclusive. We're going to hold you to that. All right, Willow. Yeah. Again, thank you so much for your time. This is Pie Hard. Tomorrow